this episode of The Interface, I speak with Stephen Jeremiah, Group Business Development Manager for the Amphenol RF Optics and Broadband Group. Stephen works out of Wallingford, Connecticut, and has been with Amphenol full-time for one year after interning in the summer of 2020. We talk about his new role with the ARFOB Group, acknowledging how much he's learned in a short period of time, but more importantly, realizing how much more there is to learn about the group. We talk about growing up in Indonesia until he was 16, then moving, by himself, mind you, to Canada to further his education and his opportunities. We talk about his immersion into flight simulators in his free time, including the joy of virtually flying by our corporate headquarters. And we discuss his Desert Island album, book, and movie. This is The Interface. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. So Stephen Jeremiah, so thank you, first of all, for taking the time to do this today. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, let to thank Bill Callahan for suggesting you and others to be on here. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. It's actually, I want to say that it it helps me a lot, actually, you know, starting a new job, not knowing anything about Amphenol and listening to these podcasts is actually helpful to to know the people and what they do. It, it, you know, it's really, really good. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And and if, uh, I I hope that it helps some people out as understand the Amphenol and and get to know us a little bit. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But Stephen, you work for uh, the ARFOB group uh, under Bill Callahan, and you do business development. So tell us a little bit about your role, number one. And number two, feel free to wax poetic about the, the virtues of RFOB's technologies and products and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. I'm I'm the group business development manager for RFOB Group, uh, but mainly my my, my main role uh, two two different things I would say. One is looking at M and A, so acquisitions, and second is really business development. F- on the first one, on the M and A side, it's it's mostly looking at targets, whether it's a there's a product or technology fit within our group, doing the due diligence more on the commercial side and 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 product and the technology, like I mentioned. And also after we acquire a company, I will also deal with post-acquisition activities, right? So introducing these companies to Amphenol, so doing product showcases, connecting them with salespeople at different groups or different uh, business units and divisions. Mm-hmm. And and also just, you know, a lot of the um, reporting and uh, this accounting system that needs to be integrated. So I, I help out on, on those as well. And more on, on the business development side. So RFOB itself, we have a lot of business units, more than, than 17, um, yeah. many different products, many different technologies. So yeah. kind of connecting them to one another. And also, you know, when, when it comes time to stra- to do strategy or budget, really, because I have a bird's eye view of, of the businesses, kind of mentioning, helping them, hey, maybe have you looked at this area? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe we can work together with other business units. Maybe we can tackle this kind of market or this kind of customer. So that's that's um, more on the second role that I have. And also other than that, it's creating brochures, you know, product catalogs, right? just consolidating all the information that we have from our different business units. And of course, we are at the forefront of 5G build out. I mean, you yeah. say, uh, and, and that is that is what is m- most exciting for my role is just really learning about the technology. I mean, I'm, I'm like a, one a, a over like just almost over one year uh, mm-hmm. in the job. And if you see my search result in, in, in Google when I first started, <laughs> I was like, what is the Internet? I thought I yeah. thought I knew yeah. how it works. And 
you know, I, I didn't, and it's all just, you know, fiber optic cables and antennas and RF and all that stuff. And, you know, you just never think about the things that you take for granted, like connecting to the internet. And, you know, we, we as RFOB sits at the center of that. So it's been really, really exciting for me. What are some of the, the product highlights that you like to talk about that come to the forefront of your mind, whether it be new products or existing product groups that, that you speak about often uh, in the business development role with regards to, you know, for example, 5G rollout and, and other types of uh, technologies or, or systems that you deal with and applications? Yeah, yeah. Good question. I think I think the, the first product group will be like antennas. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, I mean, you've interviewed Metabrink, uh, one of the general right. managers in our business, and you know they have a lot of good technology, like the Integra, they, where yeah. they can just kind of swap out the antenna modules, right? Right. And I think with with five G, because of the higher frequency uh, requirements, so you'll you'll have more antennas that are needed, right? So I think if if we talk about five G antenna, will we'll probably one of the most important product that that uh, we need to to look at but the other side of it is what's enabling the backhaul and this means like the fiber optic cables right mm-hmm. so in there you have the you know fiber optic connectors you have the patch panels and then you if you think about the enclosures uh, in these data centers as well if if you if you think about uh, there's a lot of fiber connectors right a lot of like a hundred plus like a thousand thousand sometimes right right those ones are are you know products that you don't see but ones that are really really important versus the antenna where you if you drive on the highway you'll see a cell tower you you see right. the antennas right yeah yeah but there's a lot of a lot of uh, development there on the antenna and on the fiber side as well and you know exciting stuff like modular antenna where you can swap out just the modules itself like the integra but right. more developed yeah there it's really interesting and exciting to be part of this group yeah, it absolutely is. And and I understand what you're saying, even though you have the engineering technical background, especially education wise, and and I know you're getting up to speed with all this quickly here in the last year. But but I'm with you and you talk about like the thousands of connectors, right? And you see some of these enclosures and having myself been to various FNL locations and customers back in my business development and product management days, yeah, you open up an enclosure or something like that, and it's like, how how does anyone even design this? Who figured this out? I'm always baffled by it too, right? And I'm the non-engineer, you know, you kind of echoing similar sentiments is, I guess, makes me feel a little bit better because I look at it and I'm like, this is unbelievable. How does all this work? And, And who did this, right? Exactly. And, and and the other side is like, if, you, if you're an engineer, for example, you're designing all this stuff, like how do you even install these connectors in yeah. this kind of tight spaces? Like how your hands doesn't even fit. So how how do you design that? How yeah. do you get into the customer, talk to them, what, what the requirements are and how do you then design the products? It's really fascinating to me. How well do you think you've picked up the products and technologies in your first year with this group? I mean, again, I know you have <laughs> oh, an engineering man. background, but but how well do you think you've done? It? Because like you said, right, it's a it's a massive product portfolio and technology portfolio, and that's just within your group. And then you expand it outside to the other groups within Amphenol, and it's it's your head explodes, right? So just stay exactly. within the RFOB group. I mean, how well do you think you've picked it up so far? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, in terms of my engineering background, it's more on the mechanical side. Mm-hmm. Uh, just if you talk about antenna, there's a lot of like signal processing, electrical. So with that being said, I would say I'm only like 30% 
I feel like I'm learning every day and every day I feel kind of, oh my God, I didn't know that. Oh, this is really <laughs> cool. Yeah. 30%. Uh, that might be an overestimating uh, as, as well. I don't, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but that's, that's good. Cause that's what I want to feel always learning every day and feel like, you know, I'm like not even there. Right. Like, um, yeah, yeah. I would say 30%, 30. Yeah. I love the fact that, you know, that you don't know, and that's the, that's the exciting part of it, right? That there's a challenge in there to, to, to learn more about this because you're never going to be the complete expert like some of the people at, at some of the business units that you work with. It, not knocking you, but you know what I mean? I mean, they've been there 25, 30 years and you know, they've forgotten more than you'll probably ever know in the next five years. So I like the fact that you are receptive to that and you accept it and look at it as a positive, right? It's definitely positive. And, you know, with, with Alphanol, there's a lot of smart people that you can talk to, and they're all very welcoming and very open, uh, you know, to, to take time to kind of explain stuff that might be like dumb questions to them. But but yeah. to me, it's really fascinating, and they're very open and, and uh, accommodating. So it, it's great. We'll shift gears a little bit, Stephen, and we'll work backwards here for a second, right? So tell me a little bit about where you grew up and, and how you – you know, got through your high school and, and university years. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, it's, it's a long story. But, yeah. But I, I was I was born and raised in Jakarta, Indonesia. Wow. Uh, okay. It's it's like one of the most populous country in the world that you've never heard of, right? Uh, you know, usually pe people will know China, India, but Indonesia yeah. is actually a, a huge, a huge country. And, and it's um, like incredibly densely populated too, right? Like Jakarta exactly. in yes. particular. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah, like millions yeah, exactly. of people that live in this little tiny island country. and Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what was yeah. that like growing up there? It's a lot different, right, than, yeah. than, um, than North America, I would say. You know, I think when I moved, so I moved to, to Vancouver, Canada when I was 16. And I think one of the things that jumped out to me was just sports, how like North, North America sports is very important. Yeah. I remember, you know, the second day of, of my high school, there's a tradition where you in PE class, you will do like a two mile run. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm like, I, I, I haven't even run like half a mile in my life. And, and <laughs> the second day of school and I have to, to run two miles. And uh, yeah, that was, um, I think it, it's, a, it's a positive though, because I, I took, I took, you know, working out and an exercise as, as part of me now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of like sports, a lot of uh, competition, I guess, in North America. Um, but, but yeah, in, in Indonesia, what will come up to my mind if you ask about Indonesia is just the cuisine, right? Uh, mm. we, we have a, a lot of um, influence like from China, yeah. from India, and just the local cuisines. And like you said, Indonesia is a, is a island nation. So mm. there's a lot of variations even within the within the country itself um, right so yeah I, I would say i was i was spoiled with the with the choice of food that that i had growing up have you been able to find anything um in north america whether it's us or canada that comes close to replicating the indonesian food you had when you lived there yes although it's a bit hard to find an indonesian restaurant in in north america yeah um, there's a lot actually in la okay. uh, in, in new york as well so whenever yeah. i i visit those towns i i will um i will i will make sure to kind of find like indonesian food yeah uh, but not, not i mean that being said right it, it's different than when you're actually in the country and, of course yeah. yeah 
So yeah, I had so. A, a, a small aside, I'm very interested in adventurous when it comes to food. So, uh, uh, so bear yeah, with me. So, yeah. <laughs> so you <laughs> said you, you, you were told me earlier, you, you then moved to Canada and Vancouver. So how did, was that just a, a family thing where you guys decided to, to migrate there or, or how did that work? No, actually, um, my family stayed behind in Indonesia. So I, I was the only one who moved to, oh, to Vancouver. Whoa. Yeah. How old were you? Yeah. I was 16 at the time. Wow. That's quite yeah. the talk about adventure and exploring. My goodness. I know. What, what was that like yeah. at 16? It was, it was hard, you know, like yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I spoke English a little bit, but then, you know, the, the, the language problem is it's kind of it's there just maybe not on on like conversational kind of basis it's more on on the slang right the the informal um, yeah yeah uh, words and but but it's not like I, I moved just on my own like I actually moved into into a house with my aunt and uncle so mm-hmm. I, I had like a guardian you would say right, right. and I had, I had cousins too um yeah. to kind of help me get adjusted up to speed right but yeah, it was it was very different. Like I mentioned, sports before, and also I think what 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 jumps out to me another thing is in terms of academic. Um, I think in in North America, there's there's this concept of choice, right? You can mm-hmm. choose subjects that you want to take. You can take political science. You can take math. If you don't like math, there's like different types of math, right? Mm-hmm. Even when you go science, you can choose. You want you want to focus on physics or biology and 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 things like that. Versus when I was back home, really you choose between natural science or social science mm. that's it and okay. then there's a package that you have to kind of go through right. but i think that that really helps when i moved to north america when i moved to, to vancouver really to you know actually figure things out on myself on my own like what do i like what do i want to study right? yeah and i think i think it helps when it comes time to kind of choose to where to go next after high school yeah why did you move there at that time why did you choose to yeah. do that yeah, no, it was, it was more or less of a choice for like my parents. Uh, you know, we I had an and an uncle, and we had a opportunity to, to move, um, mm-hmm. or at least myself, right? So my parents were like, "Well, I think if you don't kind of take this chance, you'll you'll kind of you'll you'll regret it in the future." I mean, I, I I was I was young. I didn't really think about that stuff. Right. Right. All I thought about was just, "Oh, I'm gonna leave my friends behind," and, and then like I don't know, I know nobody, right? Yeah. But yeah, but. I'm glad I did. And uh, yeah, then I'm here. So <laughs> things worked out. So. so then when it came time to go to college or university, um, what were the deciding factors uh, as far as where you went and major and, and all that? So I, I went, actually, I moved to another city. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Toronto for, for university. And really, I, I did mechanical engineering there. And yeah. in terms of what influenced me to, to choose the school or, or, or the program, um, well, I was, I was debating with going to science. I, I know I was, you know, I was decent at math, right? Mm-hmm. I like science. Um, so, so it's either science or engineering, but I think uh, what my counselor told me was like, if you go to engineering, it's, it's, it's one of the most flexible degree options and you will right. probably end up okay in terms of job security or, or salary and so on. Uh, and, and I heard, you know, University of Toronto has, has a good engineering program. It's, it's a big city and it's, it's actually, I, I know nobody in Toronto. So now it's like the next step. Okay. So I moved to, to, to a house with my aunt and uncle, but now yeah. it's a new city. I'm completely on my own. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was a, that was a, a, a good kind of change yeah. uh, in my life at that point in time. But, but yeah, that's how I ended up in, in Toronto and taking mechanical engineering. How was the experience? 
It was it was hard, especially the first year. I mean, yeah. the school is known to kind of weed out people after the first year. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, that was that was difficult. Uh, I mean, you come from high school where you're kind of like, okay, you know, you're pretty decent at math, and then you right. come to university, and it's like everyone's smarter than you. You kind of feel <laughs> this <laughs> this pressure to perform, but. But yeah, it was it was great. Met some of my friends, my good friends there. Met my wife, not not in the university, but I mean, when I was in Toronto, right? Yeah. Um, oh, that's so great. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. So just that alone was worth it. Then it was worth exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't trade it for anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hated it. It was awful, but I did meet my wife, so I guess it was okay. Yeah. No, I'm not, it was bad. Toronto's a great city, a fantastic city. Yeah. Um, so then after you got out of college, what did you do for your first uh, job or two? I, I was lucky I only had one. I would say I would have I had one job, but like mm-hmm. different roles, but one industry. Yeah. Rather. So I, I worked as an engineer, then project manager uh, at a nuclear energy consulting firm. OK. In in Toronto. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was that was also kind of similar to Amphenol, right? Like uh, a lot of the learning curve is steep. You have to learn a lot of new, new things and uh, talk to people and so on. But, but at that time, I thought that was, that was um, a, a good challenge, especially the industry. Um, I think in, in Ontario, they are, I think, 50% or 60% energy. Uh, the energy supply is by nuclear power. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a mature kind of nuclear industry in, in there. And, you know, as a young engineer, I, I thought it was a good opportunity to kind of learn and there's like some structure to it. So there's training programs right, and, right, right. and so on to help you get on board it. You did a few different things, but what were some of the yeah. things that you did that, that uh, you could tell us about? Yeah, for sure. So I started as, as a design engineer, mm-hmm. uh, although later on I found out that maybe that's not really what I wanted to do. But but as a design engineer, I, I got involved into designing, you know, like tools that, that are used inside the nuclear reactor. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if I can boil it down to like one experience or one thing that jumps out to me yeah. was, you know, at some point I got the chance to actually visit the reactor when it was shut down. So I was in a plastic suit. I hooked yeah. up a, like a air a air supply. And you know you, you you wear like three three layers of gloves, right? Mm-hmm. But as an engineer, you you don't appreciate like the things you're designing for and the people that you're actually on the ground that are using them. You know you have to design a tool, and if you imagine you you're you're a maintenance technician and your hands are like the size of balloons, and you have to do like maintenance on things, right? right. So that as a young engineer, you know you kind of on the desk designing it on like solid work or something like that. You don't get to think about that. But then you know that experience kind of it me made me realize, hey, I like to be kind of on the field and then learn, um, visit these places and learn about what people actually do with the things you design. It's a great way to describe like, oh, this is a practical use for this, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then after that, I did some project management and also I was um, sent to a client site. So like managing projects, but acting like a client, like mm-hmm. we call it secondment. So I did that for a couple of, couple of years. But then at the end of it, I was kind of thinking, well, okay, uh, I've been in this industry for five years, uh, but it's really a niche industry. There's not much else that I can I can do, kind of. So I'm thinking about what's the next step, right? Uh, yeah. So that's how I I decided to kind of go for my MBA and switch gears into business. Yeah. Okay. And you went to INSEAD, right? Yeah, that's correct. And, yep. And then INSEAD. is that how you found Amphenol or did they find exactly. you? Exactly. Yeah. They found me. And ah, I think, um, yes, good. Like a lot of a lot of people never heard of Amphenol before. Yeah. And when I heard it, I thought it was a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like many others You're as well. You're not the but only yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. And Klaus and Ed did a nice presentation describing what amphenol is. And I was just intrigued from, from the beginning. You know, you don't, you don't know this behemoth of a company existed out there. And, you know, how many, how many business units do they have? Like a hundred plus, like how, how does that work? Yeah. How, how, yeah. So that's, that was very fascinating to me. Well, it's great. And I'm glad to hear that your enthusiasm has not only not waned, but it's actually probably increased in the last year as you've really gotten your, you know, rolled up your sleeves and gotten involved in, in the business development work for the, the RFOB group. So yeah, it's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So let's take you out of work then, right? So in your free time, when you're not uh, doing the BD and the M&A portion of your job, what do you like to do uh, with your free time, whether it's with the wife or just on your own? Yeah. I mean, I, I like to play tennis in summer and I also like snowboarding in, yeah. in the winter, but I think lately what I've been spending a lot of time on is like actually flying, um, like Microsoft's flight simulator, like flight simulation. Oh yeah. So yeah. I've got a nice setup at home with, with the yoke and the kind of VR headset and everything. Yeah. I know my, my wife tells me that it's a game. I've been playing games too much, but I'd argue with her. I'm actually learning a new skill. So <laughs> So, yeah. and it's just, you know, the, the technology now, the graphics, right? Yeah. I mean, like at, at some point I flew, I flew a plane, like close down to the ground, like passing by HQ and you can see the Amphenol name. It's just, really, it's just crazy. And you, yeah. you wear this VR headset. So it's kind of like you're flying and you, you see just, you just kind of tilt your head a little bit and you see out the window and it's like, it says Amphenol in the building and it's, it's. It, 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 there's nothing like it. I mean, when, when I was young, I, I wanted to be a pilot. So this is, I think, like a uh, a close second, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> my, I think my son has that game on his on his Xbox. He got it uh, a few months ago, and he was fascinated with it too. But he doesn't. It doesn't sound like he has the rig, the setup that you have <laughs> with the VR headset and and probably the multiple yeah. monitors and all that. Uh, but but uh, yeah, he was fascinated too. He's like, look, you can do this, and you can fly by this, and look at the graphics. It's unbelievable. So yeah. uh, I never yeah, would have I, thought to fly by Wallingford, the headquarters, <laughs> but that's great. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm nerding out a little bit here. No, Chris. that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's yeah. what this is about. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and another thing I like to do is whenever I, I, I travel for work, you know, maybe the night before or the day before, I, I I actually fly to that area and just see what's what's the what are the landmarks oh, like. Yeah. You know, like I mentioned, Amboas, right? So I I flew there and and see what's there. How does it look like from the sky? Yeah. Yeah, I I never would have thought, but that makes perfect sense. What I do often traveling is if I've never been somewhere, is I'll do Google Street View just to like <laughs> walk down the street to see where I am, just to make sure. Like, okay, so when I drive up, I'm like, yeah, here it is. You know, yeah, similar, yeah. but uh, I like your idea better. I like your way better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to get this now. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, if I then let you, let's just call it simulated fly to a desert island, right? Now nah, we'll make it a real one. You can go to a desert island uh, and you are by yourself. No flight simulator, unfortunately. Sorry, but uh, we allow you to bring one album, one book, and one movie with you, Stephen. So we'll start with the album. Which album would you bring with you? Uh, album. Um, so I usually listen to single songs, but if it's album, I would go with uh, John Mayer, Where the Light Is. Okay. Uh, it's an album where he he does a, a live concert in LA. Yeah. I think it, it's it's a good album. It's a mix of, you know, you start off with some acoustic uh, songs, then yeah. you get a little bit of blues, a little bit of Ray Charles, Jimi Hendrix, Tom Petty. Yeah, it, I think... If you're stuck on a desert island, it'll be a good album. Many different mood, different 
tempo. Uh, yeah, I would say John Mayer. Okay. Is there a particular song on that that you like more than anything else? Yeah, Bold as Love. By, Bold as by, love. It's originally by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite song of all time. But uh, yeah, I think he did a great job in covering that song. Love it. How about a book? A book. Um, can I cheat a little bit? Can I can I bring a comic book? Of course. That? Yeah. Yeah. So comic book series, uh, actually, it's it's a Japanese cartoon called Doraemon. Okay. So it's about it. a. Yeah, <laughs> but if you go to Japan, I'm sure you've you've you'll you'll see it. It's yeah. it's uh it's very popular in Japan. It's kind of like the Mickey Mouse uh, of, of Japan. Okay. So it's about a a, a futuristic uh, robotic cat who you know travels back in time to the past and then you know he forms a, a bond with this kind of teenager right and mm-hmm. he has so, so Doraemon has this magic pocket where he can kind of pull out gadgets from the future <laughs> so you know if, as a teenager you have a lot of problems maybe so uh you know like with, with your friends or maybe things like homework or something like that so yeah. Doraemon will kind of pull out a gadget and then you know as a kid you know it's like it's my, my childhood fa- uh, favorite of mine. You know, you, you kind of imagine what what could be in the future. I just I just love it. Yeah. Uh, but then as an adult, and you, you read that book again, the comic book, it, it touched upon I don't know some adult themes too, like like bullying or yeah. like friendship or like relationship with your parents. I mean, it's it's just got layers to it. But it was a cartoon, but it it's really it really left a good impression on me as a young kid. So. Is it ongoing yeah. or it's it ended? No, unfortunately, the writer died before he he finished the, the book. So there is like it's open ended, right? There's no ending to it. But there's there's a lot of it, it's it's been in ongoing for a lot of years. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, series of of these comic books. I will just pick any any of the comic book and I will I will be happy. Interesting. So. Okay, I've never heard of this before, but uh, yeah. okay, now you're nerding out just a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and finally, how about a movie? Movie Top Gun. Top, that, you want to yeah. think about it? No, Top Gun. That's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it was the first uh, American movie I saw, and when I was a kid, uh, I was to be Maverick from Top Gun. I'm sure. Oh, I think, okay. Well, this yeah, makes complete so. sense then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but the first exactly. one always leaves the biggest impression. Yeah. 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 That opening scene, oh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I like it. I love uh, it's, it. That's, yeah. a, that's the definition of a popcorn movie. And it's one of exactly. those two, you know, like uh, you can be flipping through the channels and you see Top Gun is on. It's like, well, I... I guess I gotta yeah, sit I gotta and watch, watch the it. rest of this now. I guess uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to the, you know, the the wedding can wait. Um, I gotta finish Top Gun here. We yes, you know so <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I totally understand. Everything goes on hold until uh, you get the the final climactic scene, yeah. which is great. So yeah, any chance that you can maybe give us a little plug in Indonesian? Terima kasih, Chris. Saya sudah jadi tamu di the interface. Yes, I love it. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, Chris. 